Open up your Bibles. Acts chapter 24, starting at verse 22. Let's go ahead and stand up for the reading of God's Word. Examine carefully the text as we read through it. I have a question for you. Acts 24, starting at verse 22, it says, But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, then that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. This is Paul he's talking about. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control, And the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given to him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. The reading of God's word. Go ahead and be seated. Are you ready for for the deep question here? I hope you paid careful attention to the text. Was Felix a Christian? Was Felix a Christian? No. No. How, How do you know that Felix was not a Christian from this text? I mean, it says here that Felix had a rather accurate knowledge of the way. Uh, The words here, rather accurate knowledge, meaning that he knew for certain. He knew for certain. There, there There were things about Christ and about Christian worship of God that Felix clearly knew and understood. He had a grasp of them. If Felix is not a Christian, what does that say about head knowledge? There must be something more to being a Christian than mere head knowledge. Something more than than a mental assent to the existence of Christ and the historical fact of him and and an understanding of the programmatic elements of our faith. As James tells us in James chapter 2, you believe that God is one, you do well. But understand this, even the demons believe that and they shudder. At least they have some kind of reaction to their knowledge, right? In our passage today, we can, we can see that being a Christian is more than head knowledge. Being a Christian is more than head knowledge. We need to be prepared to be personally challenged and transformed. We need to be prepared to be personally challenged and transformed and begin to see life through the eyes of Christ that anywhere, anytime is a gospel opportunity. So we need need to know that being a Christian is more than head knowledge. We need to be prepared to be personally challenged and transformed and begin to see life through the eyes of Christ that anywhere, anytime is a gospel opportunity. Now let's pray. Father God, we bring our hearts before you. And we pray, Lord, for this family right here in Alden that we would shine. 
that this place would be a lighthouse for your word, your truth. Not the building, but the people. Father God, take us to the next level of our faith, we pray. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Being a Christian is more than head knowledge. Felix had studied Christianity. We, we don't know how or where, but somehow or another he had amounted a rather accurate knowledge of the way. Verse 22, what did it say? But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, knowing things for certain, put them off saying, when Lysias the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. He conversed often frequently with Paul while he had him there. Verse 26, it says, at the same time he hoped money would be given to him by Paul, so he sent for him often and conversed with him. He interacted with Paul, didn't he? Often, frequently, for a period of two years, Felix had the best Bible teacher there could possibly be on the planet Earth, right? A man who had seen the face of the Savior. But Felix was not a Christian. We can take college courses. You, you can study the Bible at UCLA. You could take the course that is called Hebrew 220. Studies in Hebrew biblical literature. And they describe it like this. They call it a critical study of Hebrew texts in relation to major versions, philological, comparative, literary, and historical study of various biblical books. Right? Or perhaps Religion 033 at Swarthmore College. Not too far from us here, right? Where instead of reading God's word exegetically in its context for what it says, at, at Swarthmore you can learn some good eisegesis or the ability to read your own perspective and desired outcome into the text. You can learn to make God say whatever you want him to say. We can learn the Bible as literature. We could even learn all the right answers from the best teachers there could possibly be. But as we can see here with Felix, it isn't faith until it goes from our head to our heart. And according to Scripture, from there out, where people can see it in our lives. Ephesians 2.10 for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, given new birth, a new life for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, that we should do them. As a reaction to what God has done for us by faith, we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, and then we actually have a, a reaction to that. We go, we do the good works that God has pre-planned for us to walk in. We've been saved from our sin by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and that, not just to have a mental acknowledgement of God and, and the person works of Jesus Christ, not just for a religious understanding or, or to check off the I went to church on Sunday box on our, our list of weekly to-dos, but, but we've been saved to walk in good works according to the plan of God. James gets a little bit more convicting. But be doers of the word. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. 
Be doers of the word and not hearers only. What does it do when we're hearers only? We deceive ourselves. We're good at that, aren't we? We're good at deceiving ourselves. We're good at justifying ourselves. Well, my doing was getting in the car and driving to church. Right? Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Felix was a hearer and not a doer. You see, a Christian is one who is prepared to be challenged, to be personally challenged and transformed by God. Our, our faith doesn't even begin without repentance, does it? When Peter gave that first gospel message at Pentecost, what did he say? He said, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. Our life in Christ doesn't even start until we've been challenged in our hearts to fear God first. To turn from our sin and become obedient to Christ. To, to change how we act and how we think. Felix's lack of faith, his, his true heart, is made known in his actions, in his lack of repentance. He feared conviction more than he feared Christ. In verse 25, we see it. He say, it, it says, and he re as he, Paul, reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed. And said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. And then he was just hoping for money from there. Felix and Drusilla. Why was Felix so alarmed when Paul started talking about these things like righteousness and self-control and judgment? Felix and Drusilla were in an illegitimate marriage. And they knew it. Drusilla had been married to Azizus. Say that five times fast. King of Amasa. But Felix made advances upon her, and, and convincing her to become his third wife, she left her husband for Felix. In doing so, she was committing adultery, which as a Jewess, she knew full well was against the law of God. So here comes Paul. Speaking of righteousness, of being morally, spiritually right before God, 
Talking about how it is shown over and again through the Old Testament that we cannot possibly uphold the law on our own, can we? How we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That we cannot earn a righteousness before God in and of ourselves because anything we say, anything we do will be tainted by the filth of our sinful condition, won't it? Perhaps he, he called them out with a list like he does the Galatians. Galatians 5, 19-21, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who walk in those ways, those who practice and continue to practice those things without repentance will not inherit the kingdom of God. He spoke to Felix and Drusilla about self-control, probably about how we, we have none in and of ourselves, do we? How apart from Christ, we live under the spirit of this world. The one that pleases our flesh and our own self-centered desires. Romans chapter 8. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And speaking of how these things, because of these things... There is coming a day of judgment. Romans 2, in the words of Paul, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed only assume that he said something very much like that directly to Felix and Drusilla. Or as the author of Hebrews says, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Or maybe he quoted to them from Malachi, for behold, the day is coming burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall, sh shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked. For they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. That day is a day to be feared because our God is a God to be feared. And what is Felix's reaction to these words of conviction? What does he say? Instead of, brothers, what shall we do? Like they said in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, what Felix says... Go away. I don't want this conviction. I'm, I'm alarmed. I don't want it. Go away. 
He preferred to harbor his sin than to let Jesus challenge and transform his life. He he may have been alarmed and convicted, but he refused to let that conviction of the Spirit change him. He had his eyes set on the temporal comforts of this world above restoration to his creator and eternal life. 26 and 27. At the same time, he hoped, uh, saying go away, at the same time, he hoped that money would be given to him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. He hoped for money. He desired to please men. He wanted to make the Jews happy by leaving Paul in prison, serving his own good politically, and he did not want to change. Are our sins, are our sins, our idols of selfish desire and comforts more important to us than what God thinks? Are we willing to be convicted, challenged, changed are we happy with a a head knowledge and a checkbox faith when the spirit of god knocks on our heart to remind us of something do we say what shall i do how can i change or do we say go away i'm comfortable with my sunday faith i'm comfortable with where i am i have learned enough would we rather push away the conviction of God in our lives, how we think and, and how we live, than be willing to change our attitudes, our philosophies, and our comforts in this life to align more with the will of God? Being a Christian is more than dressing like a Christian, whatever that might be. Talking like a Christian or, or being a, a good person. Going to church, going to Sunday school, Being a Christian is always being ready to listen to God and be transformed. Always being ready to listen to God and be transformed. Romans 12. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. As Christians, we need to be ready, to be prepared to be personally challenged by God every day that he has given us life according to his word for what he says, no more and no less. For he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Perfected for all time those who are being sanctified, right? He isn't finished with you yet. If you were to stand before God in Christ Jesus this very day, you would be seen as perfect before him. 
Because of the sacrifice, that perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ at the cross in your place. If you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, his blood covers you. But as long as we are on this earth, Christians are those who are being sanctified, those who are being conformed to the image of the Son of God. If we think we've made it, if we think that there is nothing in our Christian walk that need further transformation, then there's something really wrong with our perspective on what it means to be a Christian. Are we being sanctified? I fear that in this age we are more willing to integrate the world's philosophies into our faith and into God's word than we are to hear God for what he says and be transformed. See, Felix wanted some good philosophy. He wanted some good conversations. He was willing to integrate God into his life insofar as it is knowledge. Are we more willing to integrate than be transformed, really changed? That's the whole point of that class at Swarthmore College that I was speaking of earlier. You can learn to, quote, destabilize long-held assumptions about what the Bible and religion says about gender and sexuality by reading the Bible with methods of queer and trans-theoretical approaches. Read into Scripture what you want it to say from a certain perspective so that you can make God say anything you want to, integrate the world's philosophies with your faith into God's Word so that you can then just walk in comfort and peace in this world, right? Don't be confronted by God's Word for what it says. Change God's Word. Make it comfortable. Just learn to read God's Word according to the spirit of this world and everything will be okay. These things happen. They even sneak into the church body because it's just easier to assimilate to the world than to take God at his word and allow it to break us and convict our hearts. Do you feel anything at this very moment? Is your conscience awake and working? Are you sensible of spiritual thirst and longing for relief? Then hear the invitation which I bring you in my master's name today. If any man, no matter who he may be, if any man, high or low, rich or poor, learned or unlearned, if any man, if any man thirst, let him come to Christ and drink. Hear and accept the invitation without delay. Wait for nothing. Wait for nobody. Who can tell that you may not wait for a convenience until it be too late? The hand of a living Redeemer is now held out from heaven, but it may be withdrawn. The fountain is now open, but it may soon be closed forever. Though you have been a great sinner and have resisted warnings, counsel, and sermons, yet come, though you have sinned against light and knowledge, against a father's advice and a mother's tears, though you have lived for years without a Sabbath and without prayer, yet come. Say not that you know not how to come, that you do not understand what it is to believe, that you must wait for more light. 
Will a tired man say that he is too tired to lie down? Or a drowning man that he knows not how to lay hold on the hand stretched out to help him? Oh, cast away these excuses. Arise and come. The door is not shut. The fountain is not yet closed. The Lord Jesus invites you. It is enough that you feel thirsting and desire to be saved. Come. Come to Christ without delay. But have you come to Christ already and found relief? Have you come to Christ already and found relief? Then come nearer, nearer still. J.C. Ryle, his book called Holiness. Very thick, but a good read. Being a Christian is more than head knowledge. Or, or even a brief momentary acceptance of Christ just to put some kind of fire insurance in your pocket. We need to be prepared to be personally challenged and transformed, and we need to draw nearer, nearer still, to live life for our Savior, to begin to see life through the eyes of Christ, to see, as Paul did, that anywhere, anytime is a gospel opportunity. Where was Paul at this time? He was imprisoned, right? Yeah. He was kept in custody. He was allowed to roam the facility as long as he kept his chains on, right? Kept under guard. He was allowed friends, but no freedom to leave. He was stuck. The only people around him were pagans unless a friend happened by. Gentiles who wanted nothing to do with the God of the Jews, right? What a lousy situation to be in, right? Guess who just became Paul's soil? His sphere of influenced lives. As Paul says to us in Philippians, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, the fact that I'm in prison has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Where are we now? Where are you in life? What, what have you lost? Perhaps a, a time, a place, or, or a comfort has been taken from you? Are our eyes looking back on um, what we don't have anymore, any longer in our lives? Or, or are we looking for people? Are we looking for people who need Christ right where God has planted us, even if our lives have been turned upside down? As maturing Christians, are we aware of those gospel opportunities that God is working in us through the difficult things? the chance to love on somebody who needs Jesus, that moment to share the gospel. Not allowing our circumstances in this world to dictate or to hinder our walk with Christ, but instead those circumstances to put that walk with Christ on display. That those around us would have to see Christ in us. If we are waiting for these things to get better or, or more to my liking... We're in this for the wrong reasons. 
if we are waiting for the perfect opportunity or, or the right time, it just might never come. The question I had to ask myself was, when I stand before God, will he say to me, well done, or will he say to me, what were you waiting for? I gave you opportunity. I gave you that cancer. I gave you that hardship. I took that from you so that you could shine. What did you do with it? This life can be very, very hard, can't it? Is my faith just a knowing about Jesus Christ? A well-studied, well-rehearsed source of pride? Or do I live it? Can I see the sanctification process in my life, life, a desire to be transformed in my thinking, an acceptance that God will continue to challenge me, to challenge the sin in my life, and expects me to change? Am I a what-shall-I-do or a, or a go-away Christian? As, and as I grow, are my eyes getting less focused on myself and more concentrating on those around me who need Jesus, who need the love of Christ in their lives. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, give us strength to be what we are not. Lord, help us to, to allow you to convict and to change and to challenge and to transform us, to recreate us, to, to not only have new life, but to live new life in your strength, by the power of your spirit that lives within us, a spirit not of fear, a spirit not of weakness, but one of power and strength, and conviction and love. Inasmuch as we have been loved, lavished with your grace, we praise you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.